0: I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah this morning because I felt like um, this. I wanted to speak about this year and the fact that this is a jubilee year. It's the 70th jubilee since Joshua took the land. It's the 40th jubilee since Jesus walked the earth. And in the Old Testament, every 50th year was a jubilee. In the jubilee year, um, debts were cancelled, slaves were set free, property reverted back to its original owner, and it was a reset button where the blessings of God came over families and households. And, uh, you know, it's, um, it's a, a prophetic picture of God bringing the church into an amazing season of such favor and blessing. And I believe we're going to say about 2016, sweet 16, it's going to be the sweetness of God. David said, I would have despaired, I would have given up unless I've continued to believe. I'm going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. But there has been a preparation season, and something that God has been birthing and preparing—an end-time church and a people that would be a—that would be a, an expression of the glory of God in the earth. That we would—the Bible says the church is going to make the heathen envious. That they would say, "I'll have what he's having. I'll have what she's having." But there has been a long season of preparation, and in the preparation, there has been um, God prepares us with the contradictions of life. And whose report will you believe? He prepares us with the difficulties of life. The trials and the tribulations of James chapter 1. It says count it all joy my brethren when you go through divers various trials, precious tests, temptations, for the trial of your faith is more precious than gold. A faith that's not tested is not worth much. anyone can praise God when the when the when the um there's money in the bank and everything's going well and people speaking well of you. But it's when the chips are down and the contradictions of life can be around about you that, that, that our faith is really expressed to the level that it's at. Whose report will you believe? Amen. And yeah. something that's that's shallow and flashy and not, you know, not gonna last very long is easy to birth. But something that's gonna change the world, that'll shift things in the nation. God takes a particularly long period of time to prepare, amen. Oh, yeah. So we have been in a preparation season for the birthing of what God wants to do, and I believe we're entering into an incredible new time zone. and uh, And we have been over the last few months, but I believe what we, have, we have we have we have we have tipped over into an amazing new season. And so I just want to talk about that and and what we've been walking through. That gives us a confidence of what we're walking into. So I want you to turn with me to Isaiah, chapter 50, to a scripture that used to really bother me, and I didn't uh, didn't really make sense until, until, I walked through a number of things, and then it really did make sense. And uh, so I believe that the, the where we're at is is um, the other thing the Lord spoke to me about 2016. He said to me this: It's the year where. Not only the prayer bowls are being poured out, the Revelation chapter 8 speaks about that, that there are these bowls in heaven that, um, that they're called the prayers of the saints that are gathered up. And it says it's mixed with fire off the altar and poured out upon the earth. And who knows how much has to go into that prayer bowl. And it's not, it's not about works, but it's about trusting God. Amen. To pray and keep on praying, asking, keep on asking, knocking, keep on knocking. It says that 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 the fire from the altar of God is mixed with and it. it poured out, and there's released the lightning, the earthquake, the amazing power of God. And I was thinking about that and thinking about this year, and the Lord said to me, "This is the year that the Super Bowls are going to be poured out." Now, the Super Bowls, Super the Super Bowl is an expression about a football match that they have in America that I've been there for, not to attend it, but to watch it on TV with other mad, screaming, insane Americans. <laughs> 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 that state of origin, yeah, sort of thing happening. And, um, and I, for, for interest sake, because Jubilee and the, and the Jubilee um, principle is every 50 years. And I thought, by interest sake, I'm going to look up what Super Bowl it was this year in February. Well, it was the 50th Super Bowl. And uh, which is, I believe, a prophetic um, hint. And the Broncos won, a team called the Broncos, which is like uh, the Queensland team, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> and so what I felt was this: in the in the in the NFL, they play uh, very well all the all through the match. They follow the plan. They follow the rules. They play with all their heart. But at the last two minutes. 58 minutes is gone and the last two minutes an official walks on the field and he waves a flag which means you've got two minutes to go. Many, many amazing, extraordinary, astounding things happen in those last two minutes. Yeah. And these guys have been playing with all their heart and following the rules. There's this extraordinary sense that the, the, the victory is imminent and the most amazing plays and kickoffs and goals and, and, and cliffhangers and turning of matches and amazing things happen in those last two minutes. And I felt this. I felt the Holy Spirit walk on the field of your life and mine and wave a flag, it's not a time to give up. There's a shift. You're about to step into an amazing time where God's going to pour out the Super Bowls of blessings. It's not a time to chuck the towel in. I'm sick of playing. I'm sick of following the rules. I'm sick of waiting to see how this match is going to turn out. It's like the Holy Spirit wants you to know Jesus already won the battle. Amen. Keep, keep praying, keep trusting, keep passionate, keep believing, keep walking through those doors and lifting up holy hands because there's about to be a turning around and a pouring out and an amazing season we're stepping into. And so I want to say this, to step into this season, understand what we've been walking through. And it's in Isaiah 50 verse 10. And I'll just get you to pass my bottle there if you could. Thank you. Beauty, excellent. Which one is it? Oh, it's that one. That one will do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Thank you. Bless you. Thank you. Isaiah 50, verse 10. I want to say I had a great time Friday night with uh, a whole bunch of ladies from Women's Aglow. So if you were there, I had a great time. And yesterday with the pastors and leaders in the Capricornia district, and um, Pastor James was doing a great job in the area, just uh, seeing all these churches being um, encouraged and So I'm excited about being here today and what God's put upon my heart. And it says there in Isaiah 50, verse 10, Who among you fears the Lord, who obeys the voice of his servant, who walks in deep darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord. Let him rely on his God. Look, all you who kindle a fire, who encircle yourself with sparks. That's not me, by the way. (laughs) Walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks you have kindled. For this you shall have from my hand. The only thing you can have from me is you'll lie down in torment, grief, pain, worry. Father, we just thank you for your word today. The entrance of your word brings light and it brings understanding. And Lord, I pray that you would help us step into a new season today in Jesus' name. This scripture did not make sense to me. Who among you fears the Lord, who obeys the voice of his servant, but who walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. Look, all you who kindle a fire, who encircle yourself with sparks, walk in the light of your fire and the sparks you have kindled. You know, what do you do when the lights go out? What do you do when the lights go out? When the very things that you're walking through end up being the very contradiction, the opposite of, of what you thought you were going to end up with? What do you do when you're trusting in the promises of God and it seems like the very opposite has happened? And I believe that God wants to encourage people. If you've been waiting in the dark, if you have been in a situation where who turned the lights out? I didn't sign up for this. God wants you to know he is with you. He knows exactly what you're going through. And he allows us to go through seasons of walking in darkness. And it doesn't matter how good you are and how obedient you are and perfect you are. You and I will face through will face situations when we walk through darkness, when we go through the valley of the shadow of death, when there'll be a sense of I have no understanding, revelation of, of what, what on earth God's doing in my life. There'll be times when you feel like you have no idea, and God wants you to know He's right there with you. But He allows those things to deal with the areas where we are strong in what we would, how we would get it, we'd go and fix it, and we could just make a big mess. We just make a big mess. And he, he allows us to go through those things so that the tendency to kindle our own fire, to make our own changes, to 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 slip out the back jack and find a new plan Fran. to just go and do our own thing. He's got to deliver us from those strong areas in our life because you can love God and do his will in our own strength, in our own way and, and just mess everything up. We can make a mess of our life. So he allows us to go through situations to test the reins of our heart and Many times the promises of God and the prophecies of God. And uh, I want to just say this morning, I love to bring prophetic encouragement. But prophecy is never a done deal. It's never a done deal. It's an invitation to become. And it's always got conditions even if they're not spoken. And the conditions are following the Lord and staying in that place of accountability and growing in the knowledge of his word. And then we're going to walk in the fruit of that destiny that He has for us. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's always conditional, and um, and whether there's conditions put upon it, we can't go off and do our own thing, and then and then challenge God of why haven't you done this, that, and so. We have to stay positioned for those things to come to pass. And so, um, I want to give you a definition of darkness. It's the absence of light. <laughs> Big revelation there. And sometimes when you when everything's dark, I remember riding my push bike as a kid. And um, they, were, they were burning off and this, and the smoke had come across the road. So the only way I could get to where I was going was to literally ride my push bike through, through the smoke. I could see further up around the road that there were no cars coming. But I still remember that terrible sense of panic as you ride into something where you're just absolutely enveloped by smoke. And I couldn't see anything. I knew it was only a short, short little ride, but that terrible panicky feeling where I don't know what's happening, I can't see anything, I can't um, really see where I'm going. And sometimes in life, there can be a disorientation. Who turned the lights out? I didn't sign up for this. And, and um, it, it can be described as where you don't have any spiritual feeling, where you are not aware of, of what God's doing in your life. And our first reaction is to try and solve the problem ourselves, Take matters into our own hands and I came from a family background where my dad was a was a heavy drinker and alcoholic, and five kids. And my mum was a, a, a struggled with um, emotional ment- mental areas. And so they when you when you um, understand children from an alcoholic family, the middle child oftentimes is the, the called the caretaker. And I had a caretaker mentality. I was healthy, and I had this mentality that I'll look after them. I'll fix this. I'll they were sick, you know asthma a lot of asthma in our family so i would go to the shop i would hang out the washing i would move the furniture i would i had this caretaker mentality i'm going to fix it so as i grew up and as a young teenager and got got into um you know um, doing my own thing and taking drugs and then i became a single mother i became once more a very strong person i not only had a caretaker mentality i was now a single mom and now i had not only learned that nobody at home looked after me but if anyone was going to look after me and my child, it was me. I'm going to look after me. So this strong mentality that nobody's going to help me except me. I've, if something's going to be done, I'll have to do it. If something's going to be fixed, I'll do it. I can't rely on, I've learned not to rely on people. I've learned not to rely on the adult caregivers in my life. I've learned that there's no one there for me and my child. I'm, I've, got to, I've got to fix it. And then when I got saved, so gloriously saved, I was still a broken vessel. And made a very, um, a very rash decision. I wanted a father for my child. So I married the first person who was kind to me. And I, unfortunately I married Dr Jekyll and met Mr Hyde a little bit later. So. <laughs> and so I've not only been a caretaker mentality. A single mother who nobody's looking after me. I'm looking after me. And now I, 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 I marry someone who's probably schizophrenic. So I'm definitely looking after me. I'm protecting this child doubly. And I'm looking after me. And I didn't realize that even with God, that as much as I knew he loved me, and as much as I knew that that he was there for me, there was a strong area that that if it's going to get done, I'll probably have to do it. That if it's going to be fixed, I'll probably have to fix it. And God allows us to go into situations where the light turns out and you can't fix it. You can't work it. You can't work the angles. You You have to trust in the Lord. And it says there, who has no light, let him trust in the name of the Lord. Do you wonder why God has so many names? You know, he's El Shaddai, he's Elohim, he's Jehovah Rapha, he's Jehovah Roy, he's Jehovah Zedkinu, he's Jehovah Shalom, he's Jehovah Shammah, the God is always there. He has all these names because he wants you to know that no matter what situation you're in, I'm your peace, I'm your shepherd, I'm your provider, I'm the one who's always there. I'm your righteousness, no matter what you're facing, I am the one who's going to work in that situation for you. And the revelations of his names. I was thinking of when I was preparing this, I was thinking of that song that um, we used to sing. um, Praise the name of Jesus. You're my rock. You're my fortress. You're my deliverer. But what I heard was, I heard the Lord singing it back over us today. I'm your rock. I'm your deliverer. I'm your fortress in me, shall you trust? So praise the name of Jesus. I'm your rock, I'm your fortress, I'm your deliverer. He wants you to know that he is all those things because he wants to be there in every situation. He wants you to lean on him. He wants you to lean on him no matter what we're facing, to trust And We don't learn that overnight. Maybe you're not waiting in the dark. Maybe you've been wrestling in the dark. I want to read a scripture in Genesis. Turn with me to Genesis 32 because God is serious about us living life his way. His plan, his life, his way. In Jacob, I want to look at Jacob for a few moments because he wasn't actually waiting in the dark. He was wrestling in the dark. He is the Frank Sinatra of the Old Testament. I did it my way. (laughs) It's my way or the highway, says God. And he was there in a job situation, working under a controlling, dominating man called Laban for a number of years and Jacob's still, you know, pretty much looking after himself, doing, you know, doing what he can. And, and he's got a word from God and God loves him. And I love the fact that God doesn't, he doesn't sort of wipe us when, we, when we're too strong and we're, we're trying to make it happen. He just waits for us to come to the end of ourselves. And Jacob, after many years, God says, okay, it's time to move on. I have a plan for your life. And he releases him from that dead-end job under Laban, who was such a control freak. And he brings him out, and he has to face a brother that he had cheated out of an inheritance. And he's coming up to this situation, and and, and God is meeting him and bringing revelation. And, in fact, in Genesis um, 32 there, he gives him a vision of angels all around about him. And he says, this is God's camp. It's Mahaniam. He says, it's a, a double camp. It's a bit like when Elisha said to the Lord about his servant, open his eyes, Lord, and show him surrounding the chariots of fire. And God opened Jacob's eyes and said, look who, look what, look what Oh, the mass of angels I've got for you, that all of heaven is surrounding you. Look at the resources, I'm for you. So he had all that and he prays this amazing prayer, but then he starts to try and do it himself and he gathers all these animals and a, and a great gift to placate his brother. And the Bible says, in the dark, in verse 24, Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Maybe it's not just waiting in the dark, but maybe it's wrestling through issues. Often it's in the times when we're alone, we're wrestling with whether I, whether I can trust God or whether I will trust God. And, and it's, it's in the dark that our faith is manifested, amen, amen. The Bible says that a man wrestled with him. It's a prophetic picture. It's, it's an amazing sort of thing that happened in the Old Testament. And, and the Bible says basically God showed up and he slam dunked him. He just he said, "You're too strong, self will, de- self determining, trying to figure things out for yourself." And and so he he wrestles and he wrestles with him and and then finally it says the Lord smote him in the thigh, and he, you know when in that position, he could not wrestle. All he could do was cling on to God. And up to then when he prayed, he would say, oh God of Abraham and Isaac, oh God of Abraham and Isaac, oh God of Abraham and Isaac. But that day as he clung on to God, and he said, at that moment, now you're really prevailing. You're right where I want you. Absolutely helpless, totally dependent. And we see as he clung on to God, he said, right, I can give you a new name now. I'm going to call you Israel, one who prevails, a prince with God. You're about to enter into such a season of my destiny unfolding. And all he's doing is just clinging, clinging in his helpless state, clinging in dependence upon God. And we see after that, he builds an altar. He said, to the God of Israel. He said, he's my God. He's my God now. And he calls the place Peniel because he said, I've seen God face to face. And I have found this when you're wrestling to try and get things out of God and will He do this and fix that. We're not looking at his face, we're looking at his hand. We're trying to see how God can fix this and do that. And the Bible says in Psalm 131, like a weaned child, have I rested my soul in the arms of God. God weans us of all the strong areas. We're going to do it my way and I'm going to fix this and I'm going to and the Bible says as he builds an altar, here's a man who made deals with God. He wrestled with God. He has nothing more to say. He knows that God, he said, God, you are with me in everywhere I went. And I want to say this, there's three keys I want to bring out if you've been waiting in the dark. Number one, let's go back to Isaiah 50. Number one, who among you fears the Lord who obeys the voice of his servant? who walks in deep darkness I know what it's like to feel where is the promise of God I remember as a a divorced woman with three children with all these promises getting up at six o'clock to start work in a nursing home kitchen peeling potatoes saying God this doesn't feel like abundant life I didn't really think that this was how it was going to work out Lord you know, that darkness that Joseph was in, he had a vision, a dream. God was going to raise him up. He had incredible revelation about leading the nation and he's in a pit and in a prison helping convicts, helping prisoners. He is in the very opposite area. Well, what's the darkness that you maybe you've had to face? Amen? Yeah. What's that darkness? What's that contradiction? Jacob's darkness was wrestling in the dark, facing a brother that he thought was going to kill him. And there in that place of helpless dependency, he knew God had gone before him and he said, I now know you're my God and you've been with me everywhere I've gone. He had nothing left to say except I've I've seen the face of God now. There's something about looking in the face of God. A weaned child has stopped snuffling around to be fed and um, all of the mums that have ever breastfed, you know, a child like that is just, you know, unfortunately, a bit of TMI, too much information here, but my youngest child, Lawrence, I, I, I really, because he was my last child, I was reluctant to wean him. But when, when they get to the stage where you're holding them and they go like this, get it out now, I want to be fed. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a good look. Yeah. <laughs> not a good look. <laughs> but after they're weaned, they just rest and they look into your face. Yeah. They're not kind of, oh, you're going to feed me, you're going to do something for me, you're going to... All that agitation is gone. And the child just bonds. It just looks into your eyes. You see, Jacob said, I've been able to see your face. I see your love. I'm trusting you, Jesus. I know that when you've tried me, I'm coming forth with gold. Number one, it says, who among you who walks in deep darkness? Walk, walks, that's the key word here. You know, if you're driving your car and the lights go out, please pull over. Please park it. (laughs) Do not keep driving. But if you're a Christian and the lights go out, do not park it. Do not park it. I know what it's like to park it. Because I didn't understand that God would bring me through. I figured out, I, I thought, well, I've just, I can't, I can't work this wa- wa- walk of faith. I'm just gonna have to hang on in this miserable state until I go to heaven. That was my thought. And I parked it. And the spirit of grief wrapped itself around my heart. And the lights went out for a long time until I got a revelation that not only was I very much in the centre of God's will, but he was going to bring me through. And he was going to turn it all for good. Amen? Yeah. And if I could look down through the corridor of time at that time, I would have said, come on, failing. Get up and praise God. It's going to get a whole lot better. I know today you feel you're so depressed because you think things will never change. But the lights might have gone out today, but the resurrection life and the light of the world is going to walk into your situation and bring such change and turn things around and cause what the enemy meant for evil to be a platform of a declaration that God is good. Amen. Keep walking. Keep walking. Keep walking through those doors. Keep coming to the house of God. Keep praying. Keep trusting. Do not park it. Or maybe in the darkness you veered off the road and you, you had a crash. You made some mistakes. Get up and keep walking, amen? Keep moving. Number one, keep moving forward. Number two, do not light your own fire. Do not light your own fire. Well, Lord, that I can't feel any joy. I can't feel any, any um, um, satisfaction that you said that I would experience. And maybe I had a better time back in the world. And, you know, I remember those old friends, at least we had a laugh together. And, you know, at least when I got stoned, I had these times when I forgot about my problems. Do not light your own fires. Don't light your own fires. Keep walking. Keep walking. Number three, in the darkness, lean on Jesus. Lean on Jesus. Know that he is all those things and he is there even when you can't feel his presence. The Holy Spirit is walking onto the field of your life and he's waving the two-minute flag. He's got a shift. He has got a breakthrough. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, I mean, Why don't we wave something? I like that. Pick up something and wave it today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's a prophetic action. Lord, we're with you. We're, we're hearing you, Lord. Things that, you're a God that does all things. You make all things good. You make all things beautiful in your time and season. You make all things beautiful in your time and season. There are times I've been preaching here when my heart's breaking, but I'm here to tell you something. Glory to God. As I stood with a daughter who walked through a darkness... Of waiting for a child and then waiting for an adopted child year in year out year in year out and I know I've stood here and prophesied and declared God is good when my own heart has said but Lord remember my daughter but remember my family I'll speak it out because I know you're good I'll speak it out because I know you're good and um, three weeks time this little guy is joining our family this is e he's coming from Taiwan. They're picking him up in three weeks' time. He doesn't know it right now, but he's going to be loved like there's no tomorrow. He's going to be the most spoilt grandson in Australia. <laughs> I've already got an, an amazing array of toys that Jeff is now t- t- tripping over. There's <laughs> more blocks, what's all this? <laughs> he has no idea of the incredible family of love he's going to be brought into. You know what, sometimes we're like that. Jacob was like that, struggling to try and, you know, make a life for himself till God brought him to a place where he's not only brought the spirit of adoption, he said, I've got a great plan. And Jacob, your sons are going to inhabit the earth. And I'm going to raise up the tribes of Israel, not from Abraham and Isaac, but from you, Jacob, a man that went through so many struggles. And I want you to know today, the two-minute flag has been waved. It's soon, very soon, the Super Bowls of blessing are being poured out, amen. And yes, I believe my daughter's going to have a biological child. But for some reason, this little boy needs those two to love him into his destiny, amen. And God showed me a picture of that. He showed me a picture because they have been waiting 10 years. And this is the picture he showed me. That When they went and collected him, I had a dream, actually. They picked him up. And when they picked him up, he wasn't a two-year-old, which he is, he's just turned two. He wasn't two, he was 12. And they were trying to balance, my daughter was trying to carry him on her hip. This is my dream. His dreams are symbolic. And, she's, and I'm thinking, what's going on? And he had a big watch on his arm. And uh, when I woke up and I was praying to the Holy Spirit, what was that message in that dream? And the Lord very clearly said this to me. She's going to pick up a, t- a two-year-old child. But that two year, in that two-year-old child's life, she's carrying the restoration of the past ten years of waiting. The past ten years of going through hope deferred, of walking through her darkness, she's going to have and hold a restoration of all those years of waiting because the timing, it's been all about timing. I want you to know the set time to favour Zion has come. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't overlooked you. But he's allowed you to walk through some deep waters. God cannot use people who cannot wait. I said to a great mentor of mine, I said, why does God make people wait? Why does he make people wait? And he said this to me. He said, well, I have noticed the people that get things easily, just get things easily, many times fail in some way or other. But then he said this, all the great men and women of God that ever did anything for Jesus had to wait at some time in life because waiting prepared them for the greatest blessing of their lives. Amen. Amen. Have you been in a season of contradiction, walking through the darkness? God wants you to know the flag's been waved. The Super Bowl's about to be poured out. Let's just stand right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We could have thought that God had so many names because he was egotistical. <laughs> I'm your peace, I'm your ship. No, <laughs> and we never thought that. But it was a, it was an overkill, almost like, read my lips. I'm there in the midst of every situation as your peace. I'm Jehovah Jireh, I will provide for you. Yes, when you're peeling potatoes in a kitchen, in the back of a nursing home in Chermside, I'm telling you, I'm your provider. One day, you'll never want for anything... One day the very things that you're working hard for are going to be just blessed and poured out. Amen. No matter what you're walking through. Maybe you're walking through contradictions where there's been a loss of life. Only Jesus knows how to restore. Only Jesus knows how to restore. I lost my brother a couple of years ago. Very tragically. And I really struggled with really reconciling that great loss. And one day Jesus said this to me. He said, let me be Robbie to you. His name is Robbie. Let me be Robbie to you. I'll be the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Let me be Robbie to you. I saw how in the Bible, Naomi, after all the grief she went through and she lost her husband and two excuse me, two sons, And Ruth, the Moabite's daughter-in-law, when she became pregnant, and Naomi was part of their family now, all the women rejoiced and said this, Naomi has a son. Naomi has a son. Naomi, no. Naomi has a son. See, God knew what that little boy was going to bring to Naomi's heart. Only God knows how to restore. Only God knows how to make it up to you and more. And today... He wants to pour out the Super Bowls. Amen. Let's just sing a worship song and see where we go from here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you.